That's and I think by and large, that's the problem with these remakes is they're lacking joy. They're lacking originality. They're so focused on the remake aspect that you're not getting quality content. And Hey everyone, I'm Skyler. And I'm Gary. And this is the Nerds Inc. podcast. Today we are discussing Disney's live action remakes of their original animated movies. And why, perhaps? Um, yeah. But of course, uh, Gary, how are you feeling today, my friend? I'm doing good, man. Um, it is kind of rainy here today, but I'm chilling. How about yourself? You know, it's uh, some nice weather here in Chicago today. We are recording on a Sunday, and yeah, it's been beautiful weather. It's starting to finally feel like spring outside, so that's nice. That is nice. But uh, no, yeah, I'm I'm ready to get into this. I know we've kind of hinted at this conversation, and we we've kind of crossed over it a little bit on other uh, episodes of the podcast. So yeah. excited to kind of dive right in to really explore um, our thoughts, but then also kind of what is it that Disney is really doing here? Uh, because I'm sure, as many of you uh, listening know, Disney in the last you know say eight or nine years has been very heavily uh producing uh, remakes live action remakes of their classic you know animated films that brought their stardom out and, and yep. in many cases kind of put disney on the map for animated features and now they're remaking them with a uh, whole live action casts and new songs yeah. sometimes and all kinds of stuff so right gary uh as we're kind of looking into this uh what are your kind of your initial thoughts with with what what disney's doing here what do you think they're trying to accomplish um greed uh if we want to put it in a simple term but i guess to go deeper um they're trying to get the new generation in and you know live action is kind of like the thing but i also kind of feel like and this is something i actually just recently thought about a lot of their animated movies didn't necessarily win any type of awards so they may be trying to use this as a way to get more awards and get more acclaim. So that's, mm -hmm. that's some of the thoughts that I've had um, about it, you know, greed being the number one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I tend to agree. I think a lot of it certainly comes down to, you know, how can we, we milk this property for all that it's worth, which I mean, any studio will do. This is not just right. a Disney phenomenon. So whether you're a fan of Disney or not, and you're listening, uh, just know that <laughs> yeah. any single studio that you like, uh, television or movie wise, they all do it to some degree, especially mm -hmm. if they know it's a cash cow. Um, so I think, yeah, Disney's trying to really bank off of that nostalgia. Um, but before we kind of get more into that, I do briefly want to go over kind of the differences between a reboot and a remake. Cause I think a lot of the times we, we get those terms confused and I know we're going to be yeah. using them pretty interchangeably in today's episode. Um, so, uh, Gary, when you think of like a remake and a reboot, like what are your thoughts on the, the differences there? So to me, a remake is like what we see with like Lion King or um, Beauty and the Beast, where it's the same thing is just reimagined uh, in a different way. Or sometimes in the case of like Beauty and the Beast, not even necessarily reimagined. It's just, hey, we're going to take a scene by scene take of this movie that's already been done beautifully. We're just going to slap some live action people on it. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas a reboot um, is what we're seeing now with DC, where, you know, they're going in, they're essentially taking the foundation and the structure of uh, either a universe or many times a movie. And they do it completely different, you know, have a completely uh, new view on how that is performed. And sometimes that can turn into a remake. You know, you can, uh, in many instances, be like, okay, we're going to take this film and we're going to make it live action, but we're going to tweak a few things so that it's theoretically a reboot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, remakes are by and large what Disney is trying to accomplish with these uh, live action adaptions. They try to make them as accurate as possible to to the animation, uh, sometimes yeah. to a fault, as we'll discuss. Um, whereas, yeah, a reboot is like they're trying to kind of take that original tale and maybe add some modern elements to it or kind of change it up. Like, I think mo- most recently the first thought that popped in my head was uh, the um, the reboot of Annie. Uh, mm. the, the hit the Broadway musical that had like, yeah, Jamie Foxx was yeah. in that one. He played Daddy Warbucks and, and that was like a total <laughs> reboot. Yeah, they, they took an original story and changed it. So I think reboots um, all in all can be a little bit more exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, think of like obviously the amazing Spider-Man compared to Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man or Tom Holland's Spider-Man with Homecoming <laughs> and things like that. Those are all reboots, right? Right. Um, and they feel fresh. Whereas mm-hmm. a remake, it's like, why are we doing this again? <laughs> what are right. we trying to accomplish? Um, the biggest so, thing yeah. for me with a uh, remake compared to a reboot is originality or uh, imagination. With the remake, exactly. you don't really have to be imaginative or original. It's just, oh, I'm copying your homework. Whereas with a reboot, it's, okay, I see the blueprint. How can I make it my own? Exactly. Exactly. So now we understand that terminology. We know we can really discuss remakes, which is what Disney is doing here. (laughs) Um, Great. All right. So kind of moving in to uh, some examples of what Disney has done recently. So I actually do have a list right here in front of me. Nice. Um, And uh, most recently uh, they have done the jungle book, Mm -hmm. Uh, technically uh, 102 Dalmatians, uh, which was the 1996 adaption is kind of technically a reboot because it's, you know, uh, reimagined from uh, 101 Dalmatians. Mm -hmm. But then we also have um, Alice in Wonderland, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, uh, Maleficent technically, although I would consider that probably more of a reboot or a reimagining. I agree. Uh, we also we also have uh, Cinderella, Alice Through the Looking Glass, Beauty and the Beast, Christopher Robin, Dumbo, <laughs> Aladdin, The Lion King, uh, the Maleficent sequel, which was Maleficent, Mistress of Evil, Lady and the Tramp, Mulan, Cruella, Pinocchio, and most recently, Peter Pan and Wendy. Mm. That so, one just recently came out, right? Like oh, a couple weeks ago. It did. And what was unique about Peter Pan and Wendy, and I actually did see this movie, so I can definitely talk to it. Um, It is a a Disney Plus original, technically, so it Mm -hmm. kind of came straight to Disney Plus, which hopefully that's kind of the trend of of these uh, these remakes, is that they just kind of bring them right to Disney Plus. I think that'll save them money in the long run. I agree. Um, So we have these remakes, and out of these... um, can you talk, Gary, about any of these that you might have seen and what were your thoughts? So I'm probably going to get into trouble for this, but I have not seen any of the remakes. Um, okay. I, before, because I, I, I know 102 came out a while ago. So 
I didn't know that one was a remake. Um, but once they really started announcing, it was really around Beauty and the Beast when I think that one came out like 2010, 2011. That was when I was like, yeah, no, I'm not watching the remakes. Like as much as I really enjoy um, seeing anything with, um, it was Anna Watson, right? Emma Watson played Emma Bell, Watson. Yeah. yeah. Emma Watson. I love seeing her in pretty much anything that she does. Um, I just couldn't support uh, the remake just because of the fact that I felt it was this lazy storytelling. Um, you and I have had this conversation plenty of times off air, but uh, yeah, I, I can't say I've seen any. Uh, the biggest, uh, I guess, culprit of this for me was Lion King because anyone who knows me knows that Lion King is one of my all-time favorite Disney movies. And to see that being done the way that it was, um, which I'm not upset with them wanting to do it. It's just the fact that they actually did it. Like it's one thing for us to say, Hey, I want to remake flubber. Like we want to do a (laughs) whole new remake of it. But then to actually go and do it, knowing what happened with how well Robin Williams put into that role for that movie, uh, I couldn't couldn't get behind it. So I I haven't seen any of them. I can't give my full opinion on any of them at this time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I can certainly speak to that. <laughs> I'm sorry that you haven't seen them, my friend. Um, you're not missing a whole lot, to be completely honest. So for pure nostalgia's sake, I grew up a Disney kid. I grew up with Disney Channel. Um, it was one of the main channels that I watched as a kid. So like mm-hmm. Disney had me in the grips from an early age. Yeah. And to talk a little bit more about that, I also grew up in South Florida. So I grew up about three hours uh, south of Orlando. <laughs> so even as a kid, like I was going to Disney World. You yeah. know, we were taking field trips there. My parents, you know, my mom was taking me there, uh, family. So uh, I had a really close relationship with Disney growing up as a kid. So I think for nostalgia's sake alone, it's been mm-hmm. kind of roping me in. I know right. uh, Alice in Wonderland, that uh, remake um, from Tim Burton that came out in 2010, mm-hmm. which was really what really kind of kickstarted a lot of these live action remakes because then you had bunches of them coming kind of in the years after. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember wanting to see Alice in Wonderland. Cause like as a kid, like that animated movie, like really kind of tripped me out. I was like, this is a kid's movie on, <laughs> right. on Disney channel. Or, you know, I, I had the VHS tape for it, I think. And, um, and yeah, I remember kind of, you know, being really interested in Johnny Depp's take on the Mad Hatter. And I thought mm-hmm. that was neat. And I mean, it's Tim Burton. So it's always a little dark and quirky. Right. Um, and I mean, I remember kind of liking it, you know, I was like, mm-hmm. okay, this was, this was different. You know, obviously it uses like new uh, VFX and, and, you know, Tim Burton's kind of twist and style on it. So I thought it was a unique take on it. And I, mm-hmm. I definitely consider that to be more of a reboot than a remake because it even had like an older Alice kind of coming back to Wonderland. Right. Um, so that was nice. And I think what made it nice was that it did have, you know, you can tell that Disney was giving Tim Burton a little bit of leeway mm-hmm. with the storytelling. Um, which was nice. Now, kind of what has come out since, you know, I think of like the Jungle Book, The Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. Those are straight remakes. Like mm-hmm. by the book, you know, like you said, you know, what what kind of homework do you have to copy? <laughs> Put it on screen. Um, I will say the thing that I've noticed with the remakes that try to do it faithfully mm-hmm. is they completely lack the soul of the original. 
completely. And that is because they try to do that frame by frame shot of what you see um, in the original animated movie and the animated movies are designed for kids, right? So they're fun. They're kind of, they're kind of goofy. I mean, all of these movies primarily came out in the, in the nineties, if not, you know, earlier. So there was always some type of fun and frivolity to it that I thought, you know, obviously as a kid, there's that nostalgia and there's that like, yeah, you grew up with this. It's goofy, mm-hmm. you know, all that kind of stuff. Whereas the remakes, because they're trying to do the frame by frame shot, but mm-hmm. with different actors, it like if you've seen the original, watching it again in live action doesn't make it any more special. Right. And that's the part that's kind of disappointing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why, like, if you're going to adapt a comic to to the screen, like, you know, you know me, I'll use Watchmen, Zack Snyder's Watchmen as an example doing a frame by frame shot of that to live action was a lot of fun because you can only read it. You can only right. see the pictures of it. That was fresh, but literally just taking the same thing that you kind of have seen on screen, even though that it was animated and then just simply chalking that up to let's do this live action or with CGI in this case, it really feels tired. Yeah. Um, I, I can speak to, you know, obviously the most recent adaption that came out and was straight to Disney plus was Peter Pan and Wendy. So I was a diehard Peter Pan fan growing up. Uh, there's nice. something about the whole like not wanting to grow up. I was right. like, yes, please. Like even as a kid, <laughs> I felt like I knew. I'm like, no, you got to stay a kid. Right. <laughs> um, that, that's where all the fun is at. So I loved the original animated movie for Peter Pan. And I remember seeing like the Broadway show as a kid. And it was – there's so much like joy and life in it. And then like I don't know. Gary, have you seen Hook? Yes, I did see Hook. I love Hook. So Hook is also a classic, and that is definitely more of a reboot as well. You got Robin right. Williams, Dustin Hoffman, Julia mm-hmm. Roberts. Like that was even so exciting. Like as a kid, like grew up with Hook, grew up with the original animated movies. So there was all like this really cool lore and mythos around Peter Pan. Exactly. And then how many times have they remade that movie now? <laughs> There's made- so many. That they made the 2000 Peter Pan where um, they were trying to be faithful, and that was kind of a wonky adaption. I, I believe it did fail at the box office. Mm-hmm. You had the most recent one, or not not the most recent, but one that came out, I want to say like 2013, 2014, and you had like Hugh Jackman as Captain Hook, and that yeah. had like a flying pirate ship the whole time. It was weird. I saw it. I was like, this is not memorable at all. They were trying right. to do a little bit of a soft reboot with that, but it didn't feel right. Mm-hmm. And then most recently you have this adaption. So all in all, there's been about three or four reboots or remakes of Peter Pan. Right. And that's crazy. That is and crazy. I know it's because you have so much lore to pull from, but I love the casting for this movie. I want to come out and say that right away. I thought the casting was great. Um, and I thought the cinematography was beautiful. Um, the VFX, like kind of like the, the travel from England to, to Neverland was really exciting. But the script was lacking severely. Mm. And that's the part that was disappointing is because you could tell it was a remake, but they were trying to add some small twists to it and it didn't feel right. So overall, it felt very joyless. Like Uh, you're in Neverland. You're with Peter Pan. Peter Pan is this kid who fights pirates. And you didn't feel any of that joy. And I think – by and large, that's the problem with these remakes is they're lacking joy. They're lacking originality. They're so focused on the remake aspect that you're not getting quality content. And that's what I separate from things like Maleficent, from things like you know Tim Burton's Alice in Wonderland, is that those were taking a character and they mm-hmm. were kind of molding it and changing it to a way that fits whatever script that they were working with, which felt new. Right. Like if you're going to show us these characters again, live action, like give us a reason to come back to that world, you know? Yeah, I definitely agree with you on that. And I'm glad that you brought up the difference between adapting a comic 
and remaking a beloved animated movie already because there is a big difference you know like you mentioned you know with the comics you already have read it but you're actually seeing it on screen for the first time but not only that you get a lot more creative liberties because you don't have as much content between let's say on average a comic is like maybe 32 pages that 32 page comic can only maybe last a 25 minute episode of a tv series if you wanted it to but Mm -hmm. If you take even a graphic novel, which at the largest would be like 250 pages or so, that still wouldn't be able to be fully translated on screen. Because if I'm correct, even with Watchmen, it was taken a lot of, you know, panel by panel. But there were still some things that were added by Zack Snyder that was not in the uh, original uh, novel. You can't really do that when you're trying to remake an animated movie because it's like, okay, you're just taking this blueprint and then pasting it with a live action rendition of it and you're not adding anything new or anything original which is what really brings in that soul for most uh entertainment you know that's one of the things Mm -hmm. why we love tv and movies so much because we get that creative soul that creative uh juvenation from it and if that's lacking then it usually comes across in uh, a, a poorly received uh piece of entertainment such as you know the disney remakes have been for the last few years Right. And I mean, I will say, I think one of the the really cool things that has come out of these remakes, uh, and Gary, I'm not sure if you're uh, uh, privy to this, but I know what created things like the volume, which is that kind of digital LED set that they use for, you know, things like the Mandalorian, which Mm -hmm. has really changed the way that you can film TV and film that all evolved from Jon Favreau's technology that he originally used on Jungle Book. And Mm -hmm. then again, he actually fully was adapting it for the Lion King. So John okay. Favreau, who you know helped create the Mandalorian, he helped uh, co-wrote. He's a producer on it, of course. Um, he got to direct uh, the remakes of Jungle Book and Lion King. And for Lion King, the kind of the CGI, the cameras that they used um, was kind of showing in real time the digital blueprint of what created these CGI lions, right? Nice. So. I thought the technology that, that evolved out of some of these remakes have been really useful. And like, we're seeing kind of these amazing set pieces now and shows like the Mandalorian, which I think is amazing. Mm-hmm. So I love what has come out of it, but the remakes themselves are lacking. Cause I really wanted to enjoy the Lion King, man. I, I don't, I don't think I'm spoiling this for you because obviously I know you're a diehard <laughs> Lion King fan, but you, you bring in people like, you know, Beyonce and you bring in Donald Glover to play, yeah. you know, Simba and Nala. And then why did it like feel like so empty? Mm-hmm. And I think part of that, honestly, because I really noticed it for the first time. I mean, anybody who watches musicals noticed it when you saw the original Beauty and the Beast and you saw Emma Watson singing and you heard her and you're like, there's a lot of auto tune here. There's a yep. lot of auto tune. I'm like, T-Pain, is that you? Did, you? <laughs> did, did T-Pain remake the Beauty and the Beast? Because it sounded like he had some type of say in it. Right. <laughs> um, honestly, I, I felt bad because I don't think it's that Emma Watson can't sing. Mm-hmm. I think for a lot of movie musicals, you naturally have the inclination the editors do, especially like, how can we, we're going to change this up a little bit. We're going to make this sound cleaner here. We're going to take this here. And so I think naturally you just want to do the editing and add auto tune. But honestly, like 
one of the best um, live action musicals as far as singing and showing an artist's range mm-hmm. um, was the, the recent adaption of Les Mis with Hugh Jackman yeah, um, and Hathaway, you know, um, Russell Crowe. That yeah. was one of the first musicals ever to actually record on a live soundstage. So yeah. all of the actors and performers were singing while they were actually filming. Whereas nice. what people may, it was. And what people may not know is that for most movie musicals, it's just a, a track that they're yeah. recording. So the actors aren't actually singing and you can tell. And like I said, the mixture of the auto tune and then the story trying to kind of take it frame by frame to be the exact, mm-hmm. it just, it didn't feel right. And I, I feel honestly, I feel bad for the actors. Cause I feel like for all of these adaptions, they've been trying to bring in some big name or well-known right. actors and I don't blame them for it at all. I think it has to do with the writing and, and kind of what they're setting out to do. Yeah. I definitely agree with you on that. I uh, can't disagree. Um, I feel like Disney is like, you, you know, if we bring in using Lion King, for example, if we bring in Beyonce, oh, we're going to make five, six hundred million week one. Like they, they were just expecting to hit that billion. And if I'm correct, they did a pretty decent amount. I want to say it was like maybe seven, eight hundred million worldwide. But I mean, you can't artificial everything and then expect to get some organic uh, feelings from it and that's one of the differences that i that i've noticed just hearing people talk about the live action remakes compared to the uh, original animated movies um but yeah I, I i knew about the thing with the uh with les mis i thought that was interesting for some reason i preferred the the very first uh les mis i don't know why that one just felt mm-hmm. more enjoyable for me I guess because of the dark tone, it kind of threw it off for me a little bit, but yeah, I did like the uh, acting from Russell Crowe though. Yeah. No. So to, to go back to your original point on what uh, the Lion King made. So the Lion King uh, remake that came out in 2019, mm-hmm. it made a uh, 543 million uh, domestic and okay. it made 1.6 billion worldwide. Jeez. Which, well, you know, in, in Disney's eyes, they're like, it works. We're going to be doing <laughs> right. this. Yeah, that 1.6, that anytime Disney hits a billion, they're like, okay, so we've, we hit the bottom line. Now, how, how much higher can we go? Right. Um, and I mean, I got a 6.8 on, on IMDb. Um, it's not too bad, I guess. It, it's not. But I mean, once again, like I'm kind of surprised because I really thought that film was lacking. Like it was nice. You do get a nostalgia from going and seeing it again if you, you grew up with the, the original. But it just it was lacking in mm-hmm. heart and in so many ways. And um, I also do want to talk about because we're talking about the difference between remakes and reboots. Right. And we're talking mm-hmm. about Disney's mostly doing remakes. Now, one thing that I will say that I do like, you know, I've mentioned that I like more of the reboot option myself because you can kind of bring some new you know flavor to it so to speak what i really like is that um i actually didn't mind the aladdin remake simply because one the casting was great you know you got will smith as the genie i thought he was actually funnier than i expected i was a little Mm -hmm. worried going into it because i'm like will smith cgi blue genie when robin (laughs) williams killed that role right like that role is for robin williams Mm -hmm. um I was a little nervous, but I went into it and I was, I was excited because I remember Aladdin was one of my favorites growing up and I saw it and you know, the the singing was all right. You know, you could tell they, they auto tuned the hell out of Will, poor Will uh, can't, can't sing probably that well. He's like, no, (laughs) just auto tune me. I'll be all right. Right. Um, 
but what was really interesting about that is though that was trying to be a remake frame by frame they added two new songs technically the same song but one was kind of a reprise for um jasmine princess jasmine that i thought was really cool because that song was written by pesic and paul who those that don't know pesic and paul wrote uh, the lyrics for la la land uh, the greatest showman they also did the hit broadway show uh, dear evan hansen so these are really great hollywood and broadway lyricists where they write very compelling and very powerful um you know, lyrics and, and, and dramatic dialogue. And I thought the fact that they kind of brought them on to write a song just for Jasmine that wasn't in the original was mm-hmm. really special. And honestly, it was easily one of the best songs in the movie. And it, you could tell it had a different feel to it. Like the only bad part about the song is because it's so good. It almost feels out of place mm-hmm. because you have all like these nineties, you know, lyrics from the original songs. Right. And then you have like this great, like ground grounding and um, very emotional, um, you know, wanting to be free song coming from Jasmine. And you're like, Oh man, this doesn't fit, but she is, she's killing this right now. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So. That's funny. Uh, Aladdin was one that I was actually going to see. Um, but for some reason or another, I just haven't gotten around to it, but I might have to break my boycott of Disney and, you know, give in on that one. Yeah. Like I said, I think it's worth it just to see kind of what they do with Princess Jasmine because they do take some some liberties with her character where they make it more about like her trying to come into her own and and become you know ruler of Ag- Agrabah if she's able okay. to. Um, so that's kind of the cool part with that. So um, definitely notable shout out to Aladdin because I did like kind of what they were able to do there. But by and large, the film did feel kind of soulless because it was trying to mm-hmm. do a remake. Um, right. So kind of talked about some different examples here. Uh, Of course, you know, most of these being remakes. I do want to talk about kind of what they have coming up because we're far from over, right? This is just the beginning. (laughs) Uh, We, we of course know that at the end of the month here in May, actually, we have the little mermaid coming out. Yeah. Uh, They're uh, doing a remake of snow white again. And this is actually (laughs) going to be directed by Mark Webb, uh, who directed the first uh, two Amazing Spider-Man movies. Mm -hmm. Um, They're doing a sequel to The Lion King. Um, They're doing a Lilo and Stitch live action. Uh, They're doing Hercules, uh, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. They're doing a Cruella sequel and uh, Robin Hood. And they're doing a live action Bambi and Moana. Jeez. (laughs) <laughs> which we all know that Dwayne the Rock Johnson is very happy to be coming back as Maui for Moana. Yes, he is. So, Gary, what do you think of these upcoming remakes? Um, so I said that Aladdin was probably gonna be the first one I watch of the remake so far, and it most likely will be. Um, and then probably the second one will most likely be the Little Mermaid. Um, I was never a big fan of the Little Mermaid, but I did enjoy the the film itself. But um, just honestly, I'm going to go watch it just out of pure spite to all the people that have been showing hatred towards <laughs> uh, Haley Bailey being cast for the role. Uh, so I, that's what I'm going to do um, for that. I want to watch. Honestly, I, I'm interested in seeing The Hunchback of Notre Dame just because I really enjoy not only that soundtrack, but that story is so compelling. So I want to see if they can nail that. Uh, and then finally... Uh, Lilo and Stitch, just because I want to see how that turns out. Um, yeah, those but are I, the ones I, that I'm kind of 
I know you're a big fan of the Moana soundtrack, though. So how do you feel about them remaking it when it's still so fresh? I don't want to talk about that one, honestly. That's how bad it is for me. Like, I would understand. Like, I understood Lion King. I understood uh, Snow White, all those other ones, because it had been like 20 plus years. Moana didn't even come out 10 years ago. Like, give it some time to breathe. Actually, if I'm correct, it came out in 2013, 2014. So it's been about seven or eight years for the film. Like, give that some time to breathe. Like, yeah, Moana came out 2016. Wow, not even yeah. 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, so no, it's it's way too soon for that. That's 7 years ago. They've already announced a, a remake. Right. <laughs> My gosh. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What about you, man? Yeah, um I'm definitely excited uh, to check out The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Now, I'm excited only because of that nostalgia. So, the same right. thing that roped me into seeing Peter Pan and Wendy and Aladdin and, you know, Beauty and the Beast and Alice in Wonderland. I, I've basically seen them all, unfortunately. I keep going back. Here's the sad part, guys. <laughs> I keep going back to watch these remakes when I know good and well what they are. Right. And I know that they're just cash grabs. <laughs> and I know that they're going to be soulless because I've seen enough of them now. And I can't stop myself. It's the nostalgia. It's the fact that my wife and I both are big, you know, fans of Disney, unfortunately, because I <laughs> realize. You know, it's just another, you know, uh, greedy media company. But, you know, we, we still we, we go back because, you know, it's what you grew up with. Right. And so I will probably see all of these, to be completely honest, whether it's on Disney Plus or something. I've learned mm. my lesson, though. I probably won't see them in theaters anymore because we did see Beauty and the Beast in theaters. And I'm like, I want my money back. Yikes. Give me my money back. Because what was that? I just watched Bell do auto tune for an hour. And a half. I don't like, <laughs> exactly. That's not the same, you know. Right. Um, because a lot of people don't know this, but a lot of or all of these uh, big musical animated movies that came out in the '90s for Disney, they actually brought in Broadway singers and actors yep. to perform these roles. So it's funny though, because they would usually have two different. You would have a voice actor, and then you'd have the the singer that they would be like a big yeah. Broadway star. And so that's why like the singing didn't always match the the voice because. Because they had two different actors. Right. But at least the singing was really good because like they were professionally trained vocalists. And now it's like, no, we're gonna get in Will Smith in there, we're gonna throw Emma Watson in there. And I'm sure they actually can carry a tune, but mm -hmm. you know what? We're gonna butcher this with auto-tune. So that's my big right. Yeah, I like that you brought up the fact that uh the older animated ones brought in the uh, Broadway singers because the first thing that comes to mind is Mulan. Mm -hmm. The voice of Mulan was uh Ming Nawe. And she was mm -hmm. phenomenal in the role, but she wasn't the one that was singing. They brought in a Broadway actress for that. And I thought that was great. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I'll probably check out all of these. The one that I'm most interested in seeing is The Hunchback of Notre Dame. And I'm, I'm right there with you because I, I do feel kind of the same, you know, when we talked about uh, what WBD is doing with Harry Potter and already kind of doing a show when it's still right. fresh in a lot of people's minds. I feel the same thing about Moana. I think if you're going to do these remakes from things that happened in the 90s or the early 2000s, that's one thing because, you know, we've had at least 20 years. Right. But, I mean, you're doing something that came out in 2016. <laughs> I mean, like, that's, that's you know, that that's like the beginning of of like what I consider kind of like the, the dystopian era that we're entering. And right. 20, 2016 was like, that was like, you know, Trump coming into office and everything and the downfall of the society. Right. And I mean, now we're, we're already kind of going back to that and, and yeah, I don't know. And that, and Dwayne, the rock Johnson is, is going to look for any chance he can to, to milk a franchise, but you know, bring in the, uh, what was it? He's changing the, power shift of the universe 
for Disney now. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the power of the Moana universe is about to change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of where I sit with it. Um, yeah, I, I think you and I are in agreement, though, that yeah. I wish that if they're going to do all of these remakes, they should make them reboots and just tell us a fresh story with the same characters. I think that is so much more bearable, and I appreciate it more myself as a, a moviegoer mm-hmm. and as someone that grew up with these films because, like, to me, that at least you're trying something new. Yeah, I you definitely know, You keep agree. going back to these remakes. It's just not the same. Mm-mm. But they're going to keep making money off of it, so why should they stop? They are, but hopefully they will just put them straight to Disney Plus. Honestly, I know they probably won't with Little Mermaid because they're hoping that enough little girls are going to be like, "Mom, we're going to see that movie." Mm-hmm. So, and they're going to sell enough toys with that that I oh, think for sure. they're going to release that. But I'm hoping. I mean, I think I personally think that it works better on Disney Plus because it almost feels like a Disney movie, like a, like a Disney Channel original movie, right? So, might have to do a yeah. binge now. Guess I might have to break my uh, my boycott. <laughs> oh man like i said just be selective because just know what you're getting into um but i think by and large for nostalgia's sake if you love these movies if you love these stories certainly watch them but you know just just maybe know what you're getting into know that yeah this is just rehashing the same story that you're already familiar with exactly yeah all right you ready to jump into the movie tournament let's do it the latest updates because we started the quarterfinals this week so that's yes. exciting it's very exciting. And it started out with a bang, to be honest with you. Um, not a lot of these were close, honestly. So to go over the matchups, uh, we had the Social Network facing off against Mission Impossible Rogue Nation. Argo facing off against The Revenant. Interstellar versus Peppermint. And then Watchmen facing off against The Harder They Fall. Um, again, none of these were close. Social Network beat Mission Impossible 12 to 7. The Revenant beat Argo 12 to 5. Interstellar Dog Walt Peppermint 16 to 1. <laughs> uh, then Watchmen easily handled Harder They Fall 14 to 4. Uh, so, so, Gary, you know, I have to ask are you doing okay? Because Mission Impossible Rogue Nation got beat pretty bad. Or how are you doing? I'm not doing good, honestly. Uh, I almost thought about not doing the pod this time because that was rough. <laughs> Gary is a diehard Mission Impossible fan. And I mean, diehard. I am too, but I, I, I consider myself a fan, but you take it to a whole new level. So I know this hurt you. I know. Oh, yeah, man. Um, I've, I'm like eagerly waiting for the next Mission Impossible to come out. So for this to lose to the social network of all movies kind of hurt. I would have understood if it was lost like in the next round or something, but... No, man, you lost to Facebook. <laughs> Jeez. Zuck strikes again. Zuck strikes again. <laughs> so, uh, so how did you feel about this this matchup? These matchups? Honestly, so two of the films in this I hadn't seen. I've never seen Peppermint, and I've never seen The Heart of They Fall. Um, I've heard of The Heart of They Fall, and I think I almost saw it once, but I didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I, I was happy. Obviously, the Interstellar won by such a large margin. I thought Inter- Interstellar is one of like the, the coolest original sci-fi movies I've ever seen, and it cements yeah. Chris Nolan's legacy as a director. Um, Watchmen, obviously, big fan. Um, the Revenant beating Argo pretty bad was a little bit of a surprise because they're, they're right. both just kind of big Oscar buzz films, but happy The Revenant won. I was also sad that Mission Impossible Rogue Nation lost because I definitely thought as far as like the scale of a movie – um, and the stakes of it, I personally mm-hmm. enjoyed it more than Social Network. I saw the Social Network 
good yeah. movie. You know, um, this you have uh, you know some quality writing there, but I don't really know if it's a better movie. Right. You know. But once again, we're not the only ones voting, right? We got we got listeners here. You guys are voting every week, so yeah, we'll take your word for it. Um, if All you right. like westerns, The Harder They Fall is one that you would enjoy. Okay, it's on Netflix. It um, I watched it uh, earlier this year, and it was re- really well. Uh, I enjoyed it. it. Has a it has a really good cast. Uh, it has Idris Elba, uh, Jonathan Majors, all those. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think I saw the trailer for it. Yep. I need to watch it. I agree. Um, All right. So what is coming up next for the quarterfinals? So next we have Pitch Perfect facing off against 22 Jump Street. Whiplash versus Central Intelligence. The Greatest Showman versus Instant Family. And then Step Brothers versus the Lovebirds. Should be fun. Yeah, these are some good matchups that I think we might see some surprises here. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised uh, to see a couple of upsets. Yeah, hopefully. Um, and that is, uh, for those that are keeping track of the regions that we're in, we're doing the quarterfinals for the South region next. Yes. So that's what's coming up as soon as voting opens, which once again, voting opens every Wednesday, Wednesday until Friday evening. You have your opportunity to vote. We're going to, of course, post this in the show notes, the link to the movie tournament uh, as we continue through it. And then it's also going to be posted to our social medias, uh, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, you know, We're going to have uh, YouTube stuff, all that kind of good stuff. So keep an eye out for it. Um, that way you can click on the link, do your voting. It takes you no more than what, like five seconds to vote. So keep voting. I know you guys are probably like, all right, this is a tournament and it's a tournament and we're taking it to that next level, but um, it's exciting and we're happy to have, you know, so much turnout for it. Uh, Keep telling your friends about it for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've enjoyed seeing the, the results each week. You know, it's been interesting so far. Yeah, no, it's it has been, and I, I'm sure we're still in for some big upsets as it goes along. I can't wait. <laughs> All right, uh, Gary, my friend, do you have any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, one final thought. Um, everyone support the writers in the WGA writer strike because I feel like that is going to be one of the things that's going to be heavy with determining how the original stories come out in the future. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. For those that might not know, uh, the Writers Guild of America, both East and West, they're technically separate unions, but they're sister unions. They're currently on strike um, right now. Uh, So that means basically all Hollywood production has stopped um, for any new developing scripts, scripts that have already been pushed through. Like I believe House of the Dragon season Mm -hmm. two uh, for uh, Max is still in early uh, development because their scripts are finished, but any scripts that are currently being worked on. So I know the the really big upset for a lot of people is like blade blade has been put on pause yet again after already being put on pause and they've already reworked that script. So, um, yeah, I mean, we, we of course support them here on the pod, um, because you know, unions, these guilds are so important. These writers are simply looking for a fair wage. Um, you know, the residuals that they get now for streaming are vastly different. It used to be, if you were a writer, I'll just say this spiel real quick. If you were a writer, uh, you know, you were usually, you know, 
contracted to do a season of a show, which would usually be about 22 episodes. And then you would get residual checks in the mail every month because as a writer, you're a gig writer. So you got to go from one gig to the next and you might be out of work for a few months looking for the next job. Mm -hmm. And you would get your residual check in the mail. Well, now that streamers are having um, the opportunity to make the vast majority of television, you have shorter seasons. You have maybe Mm -hmm. 10, 12, six episode seasons a lot of the time. And these writers are getting residual checks as small as three cents. Yeah. And smaller writer's rooms at that. Smaller writer rooms. Um, You might only work on one episode instead of an entire season like Mm -hmm. how it used to be. So it is so important that they're striking because they're trying to get fair compensation. They're trying to get better contracts so that they are guaranteed better wages. Um, They're guaranteed a voice in the room. Uh, that they're writing in. And then the most important, I think, uh, which will become more of a factor is, you know, with the rise of chat GPT and AI, I think it's very important to consider that AI is already writing dialogue. So the concern is also wrapped around, will AI eventually replace people in writer's rooms? We don't know. It could happen in the next five to 10 years. So I think their concerns with that are valid. Agreed. So definitely. I'm right there with you, Gary. Uh, final thoughts. Um, definitely support you know the Writers Guild of America in any way that you can. Uh, keep an eye out for it because the television and the movies that we love would not be possible without the writers. Exactly. Doesn't matter how good the director is. Doesn't matter how good the actors are. You need a good writer or a good script. room of writers. Right. Yep. And with that, I'm Skyler. And I'm Gary. And this has been the Nerds Inc. Podcast. We hope you guys have a great week. We'll see you next week. Hey, everyone. This is Skylar with the Nerds Inc. Podcast, here to say thanks for listening. And if you're enjoying our weekly discussions, please leave us a review wherever you're listening to this podcast. Ask us a question. Provide your thoughts on our discussions, and we may just talk about it in a future episode. Thanks.